by the breath of your spirit, inspire us so that as we listen to your word, we may be filled with new understanding and a fresh desire to praise you in everything we do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture today is Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Well, let me tell you some things I meant to tell you before I read that psalm. The Presbyterian preacher and writer Tim Keller has published a little devotion book based on the Psalms. It's called the Songs of Jesus. He called it that because the Psalms were sung. They were sung by the ancient Hebrews and they were sung by the early Christians. The book of Psalms is the book of the Bible that Jesus quotes more than any other book. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians that the word of Christ must live in you richly. And then he said, Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now Keller, in his introduction here, says that when we read a psalm, he suggests we take what I call a triple-A approach. Adore, admit, aspire. First, adore. That is, ask the question, what did you learn about God for which you can praise or thank God? Second, admit, what did you learn about yourself for which you could repent? And third, aspire. What did you learn about life that you could aspire to, ask for, act on? The last five psalms of the Psalter are praise songs. All, uh, all five of these are songs of praise that begin and end 
with the Hebrew for praise the Lord. It's the one Hebrew word all of us know. Hallelujah. It's about praise, but it's also about who you trust and about who gets your allegiance, who gets your loyalty. So when you read other Psalms as well as this one, keep Keller's questions in mind. What does this particular Psalm teach you about God, about yourself, and about life? Well, you know, children often imitate things they see their parents do or things they see on TV. When I was about eight and my little brother was four, on Sunday afternoons, we would play church. For hymn books, we'd pass out old copies of the Reader's Digest. <laughs> you had to know the words by heart. And I would leave the scene doing an eight-year-old's best imitation of that deep bass baritone, George Beverly Shea, that wonderful singer for so many of those Billy Graham broadcasts. And after my stirring eight-year-old's rendition of, oh, great thou art, <laughs> trying to sing low, my little brother would preach. Now, the one and only recording we have of one of his sermons from the 1950s began and ended just like today's psalm. Praise the Lord. That phrase starts 11 of the 150 psalms. And the five psalms at the end of the book both start and end. Praise the Lord. In fact, our English title, Psalms, that didn't come from the Hebrew. That came from the Greek. About the third century B.C. or so, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament, what the Hebrew Bible that we call the Old Testament. It was done for the Egyptian Jews. And Greek was the, the popular language there. And they called it psalms, which means, that came from the word that means songs. Well, originally that Hebrew word was sefer tehillim, which means book of praises. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. That first verse of the psalm is a personal call to worship. To worship essentially means to recognize, celebrate, and praise God's majesty. And as a result, it also means to acknowledge our sin and unworthiness before God. Worship is above all a recognition of God's majesty and grace. If you look it up in Webster's, and you know I did, it says that worship is the act of showing respect and love for. In the first chapter of Romans, Paul describes humanity's fundamental worship mistake when he writes, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. That I will sing, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Essentially, verse 2 says, let my entire life be music for God. The third and fourth verses tell us who not to trust. Do not put your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help, because when their breath departs, they return to the earth. 
and on that day their plans perish. In other words, trusting mortal human beings will doom you to disappointment. The third and fourth verses tell us who not to trust, but the next several verses, five through eight, tell us to trust in God. The fifth verse says, happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Then the psalmist describes attributes or qualities of God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, who keeps faith forever. The four attributes of God that the psalmist lists are first, that God is the creator of everything that is. Secondly, that God is faithful. We love to sing that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. God is faithful. The one you can count on. Third, that God executes justice for the oppressed. God cares about us and is for justice for the oppressed, the powerless. And then fourth, God satisfies our physical needs. God gives food to the hungry. The seventh through ninth verses emphasize God's favor for the oppressed, the hungry, the prisoners, the blind, the bowed down, the righteous, the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. These are all people who are disenfranchised, vulnerable, powerless in their society and to a great extent in ours. The Lord sets the prisoners free, opens the eyes of the blind, lifts up those bowed down, loves the righteous. In these two and a half verses, seven of God's activities are listed, seven ways that God alleviates human distress and defends the powerless. First, they're the prisoners who are at the mercy of the legal system. Fortunately, most of us have not been, but you're sure, if you've ever visited somebody in prison, you sure don't want to be on the other side of that, that prison door. Secondly, the blind who are at the mercy of those who see. Thirdly, are those who are bowed down, who are at the mercy of those who are in in those days, that would refer to the people who were in debt. So they were at the mercy of those who held that debt or others who oppressed them. And then fourth, there were the righteous, that is the innocent, who are again at the mercy of the legal system. Fifth are those strangers or sojourners who God watches out for. Those were, those were foreign settlers or visitors, people who didn't enjoy the rights of citizenship. Six, the widows, and seventh, orphans. In those days, people who did not have the support of a man, a father, a husband, a brother, an uncle of some man, were left in the lurch. And, but Psalm 146 says, God upholds them. Well, do you remember the question that the Gospel of Luke tells us that John the Baptist sent his followers to ask Jesus. They ask him, are you the one who is to come or shall we wait for another? And Jesus answered him, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. You see, the life of Jesus Christ showed that divine concern for people who are disenfranchised, vulnerable, powerless. And you and I, we are called to work on behalf of those folks too.
Now, way back at the beginning, when I mentioned that the Hebrew title for the book of Psalms was Praises, some of you may have, uh, especially those who read and studied all 150 Psalms closely, you may have thought, wait just a minute. As Eugene Peterson, the fellow who translated the message version of the Bible, as Peterson has written, most of the Psalms are actually complaints. They're called for help by the helpless, by hurting men and women. They are wrung out of desperate conditions. Psalms is a book that contains a lot of pain and doubt and trouble. Peterson says, no matter how much we suffer, no matter our doubts, no matter how angry we get, no matter how many times we've asked in desperation or doubt, how long, O oh Lord? Prayer develops finally into praise. Everything finds its way to the doorstep of praise. All prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. So don't trust in princes or presidents or priests or preachers. Don't trust in the powerful or the pretentious. Trust in God. Our hope and our help let us sing praises to God all life long. Praise be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. God's Spirit is poured out upon us to make our hearts strong with love and bold with praise, so that we might proclaim God's Son, Jesus right here and to the ends of the earth. Now may the glory of God fill you with praise, the beauty of Christ strengthen you in service, and the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with peace. Amen.